Previously on Missed Fortune. What if we told you there was a treasure chest full of gold and jewels waiting to be found somewhere in the mountains north of Santa Fe? Oh, this is what these guys that get high all the time must feel like because it really was life for me. Some say the first clue leads to the Yellowstone National Park area. What are the consequences if you are found? Jail. If that were me, I don't think I would go. Let's say, if I'm right, if it's there, you gotta take care of all the lunches coming back. We'll, we'll go live from the Golden Arches as I'm getting uh, my McFlurry and my, you know, Big Mac and uh, large fries. Please move forward to the next order point. Alrighty then. Please move forward. Number to the 10 next with orange juice. Somewhere in the middle of Montana, on our way to Yellowstone to look for the Fen treasure, Daryl Seiler, Harry Greer, George Boyd, and I stopped for McDonald's drive through as promised. Uh, let me have a number 10 with orange juice. Medium. And a, um, let me get one of them dollar uh, sausage McMuffin with one that has cheese and sausage, whatever. No, it says a dollar. I want the dollar one. Uh, it's $1.69 here. Oh, really? But we were still on our way to Yellowstone. So despite my bet with Daryl, I wasn't buying lunches just yet. And when Harry and Daryl ran inside to pee, I got to ask George a little bit about who he is, what he was doing here, who drives 13 hours overnight to Yellowstone on Thanksgiving. Um, you know, Thanksgiving, you know, on all those holidays are just days. They're days uh, that people made up to celebrate this or that. It's, 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 it's just a day. <laughs> now, now they had Praise the Planets Day. I would stop everything, halt it. Praise the Planets Day? Like yeah. Earth Day? Like all of the planets that, 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 that surround us. <laughs> they are bigger than us. Okay. <laughs> they are bigger than us. No, I mean, like, as far as history, as far as everything, they are bigger than us. Hmm. That's our, our creators, basically. Okay. If you look at the whole mass of it. But no one can see the picture because they're too blind from society's woes and, and made-up history. Hmm. You understand? Honestly, no, but I'm with you. <laughs> Get it, brother. What is this? Like, huh? So George was here because he's one of those guys where a cannonball run to Yellowstone and back just isn't all that strange in the scheme of things. And fair enough. I was here because I wanted to be someone who told stories for a living. People love stories about treasure. Daryl was here because he thought he'd solve the riddle and was collecting his prize. But he'd thought that before. And now there were consequences for getting caught in the park. What kept him coming back over and over? Running laps to Yellowstone, like it was a McDonald's drive through Back again. Deja vu. Yeah, yeah. But when we eventually finished another round off the dollar menu, got back on the road, I asked Harry the same question I asked George. And, uh, Who is he? What's he doing here? You want me to tell you the real truth? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm just trying to get a, a no, sense of who, like, who you are. Not too much. Yeah, we're too, too, yeah. too much it's detail. Not graphic. Yeah, yeah, let's not go too much okay. detail. Okay. Yeah. 
just whatever you're comfortable with, I guess. And it turns out Harry represents another one of the treasure hunting archetypes. If George is one of those guys who's simply down for anything, Harry needs the money. Has always needed the money. He hasn't caught a break his whole life. Well, a lot of um, a lot of my life was in uh, institutions because I, you know, I kept running away from the foster homes because they weren't my real parents. You know, my mom was my mom, and I loved her more than life. And you guys couldn't keep me away from her, I, no matter how hard you tried. You know what I mean? That was my attitude. So I ended up learning how to survive on the streets. And, you know, you gotta do what you gotta do, I guess. But then it carried over into my adult life and I went to prison and, you know, it, kept thinking I can do it right this time. I know I can, I know I can. Just, yeah. You find guys like Harry in every get-rich blue-collar industry. Oil fields, fishing boats, pot farming. Guys who had no safety net, because our society has no safety net, are on their second or third strike, and now they need a windfall just to survive. You know, when I was younger, I, w- I always dreamed of being rich. And now that I'm older, I just always dream of being out of debt. You know? And uh, if this works out, man, I'll be out of debt, and I'll be like... <laughs> fresh start give it to me you know yeah and i won't and i won't mess it up again so So harry's reasons for being here are important and tragic but pretty mercenary he's also not obsessive about the search for fen's treasure and while these guys seem like kind of a ragtag little unit i'd come to find out later that daryl harry and george actually didn't know each other all that well Daryl invited them along because he knew they needed the money. What did you think when you first heard about it? You know. <laughs> somebody, somebody living out their fantasy. I'll ride with him. <laughs> I, 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 do want, I do want him to find it, though. I really do. So do I. Okay. But at that point, I was just as much of a charity case as anyone in that car. It was like Daryl knew I needed a story. It was throwing me a bone. But if he saw his invitations out here as a favor to us, that meant that in his mind, he already had it. He was just spreading the wealth. This is Missed Fortune, an Apple original podcast from High Five Content, 30 Minutes West, and Outside Magazine. I'm Peter Frickwright. All right, can we just do a quick little, like, update on where we are, what the situation is? Go for it. Okay, so we're about a, we're about 200 yards from Slough Creek, and we see a spot to cross, right? That's, fr- that's totally frozen over right there. If you don't have to that worry about being seen by a park ranger, the hike into Daryl's spot is less than a mile. If you do have to be worried, like us, what you do is duck off the road, run up over a hill and disappear into the sagebrush. Okay. And there's a, let's see, a buffalo about 100 yards north of us and another herd right on the other side of the creek. This is cool. When we get to it, Daryl's search spot is a 50-foot rock cliff 
carved by a bend in the Lamar River. The area is dotted with pine trees and sagebrush, sticking up through a foot or two of melting snow. Okay. Talk me through what you're saying. There's the broken box. The axe. The treasure box is right below it. Remember, we've got great clues leading us here. Where warm waters halt is a hot spring flowing into a waterfall that stays frozen most of the year. Then take it in the canyon down is Icebox Canyon flowing into the Lamar River. Home of Brown is a ranger station where a park ranger named Gary Brown used to live. The next clue is from there it's no place for the meek. And Daryl says that clue referred to a sign near the Lamar River Bridge. I took his word for it. So this is the chest. That's the box. Where, okay, that's the broken tree. The box is here. Where in the freak are we? We are at the bottom of the cliff, looking up at the face. Because on all those weekend treasure hunting trips before his arrest, Daryl took pictures. And in one of them, there's a shape, maybe 15 feet up, that looks an awful lot like a small bronze treasure chest tucked into a crevice. Well below me. So we've got this blurry photo pulled up on my phone. Daryl lost his on the hike in. And we're trying to get the picture to match what's in front of us. Point it out. Yeah. Under that netting right there. That little crevice thing? Yeah. Right there. Right in there. Okay. That's where it's at. And then things with the picture get even weirder. Because Daryl seems to be more concerned with photographing the spot than figuring out how we're going to get to it. Fuck. We need to... See, I'll take pictures of it right here, from right here, with your camera. And then when we get back, when you blow it up, you'll see. We'll put it on the computer. But how are we going to... Just... I mean, I'll take the pictures, but... Can you zoom in? Or... Oh, yeah, I can, but okay. it doesn't... I mean, okay. it's just like zooming it in afterwards. Yeah. Yep. And then take one from right over there where you see the X. Where? The box with the X on it. The... Right there. Let me follow here. Right there. Okay. I've picture before. So if you take a picture of that, please. Yep. I can see it. I can see the latch right there. Where? Right there. The latch? The latch. The way it's connected, right straight ahead. He's pointing at a flat spot, maybe 15 feet up the 50-foot cliff. And we can't see what's on the flat spot because we're looking up from down below. Like trying to see the top of the fridge. Yeah, right there. I can see the designs. From right here. The design. Yeah, the square box. Right here on the back. He's got it latched in there. You can see the bracket right there. There's a wide bracket. I can see it right here. I can see it totally right there. The whole latch and everything right there. Okay. You can't, huh? Down the same rock cove with the same tree that we just remember that twisted tree? 
Yeah. That we tied off? Yeah. That's the same tree that's in that picture. Okay. On the way to the hotel, I tried to figure out what just happened. I mean, Daryl's judgment can have holes in it, but it's one thing to let enthusiasm get the best of you and make some choices that land you in jail. It's something else to see things that aren't there. I, I, I'm just... So I, I wanted to get the recorder because I, I... I was just looking at that exact... I mean, I, I was looking at it, and then I took the picture, and then I was looking at it again. So I know, looking at this alcove in person, that the box is not tipped up against it no, in the way that the down. picture... No, it's laying down. Just like that face is laying down. And somehow, the picture is being able to give us the, the photo of it. It's photo distortion. And so, so you're saying that, that the, the picture is seeing around wall, like around the corner that it, we can't see because we're too low it's angle. It's not around the corner. It's, it's, it's okay, it, it's giving us a picture of something that's laying flat that we can't see from the bottom, but it's, it's taking, taking it like this and bringing it face up. That's what it's doing. I don't want him to be wrong. I want to be the journalist that's along for the ride when Fen's treasure is found. But this feels like talking to an addict. It's like Daryl will say anything to keep this hunt alive. And photo distortion will do that exact same thing. I read it, I read it on the internet. It'll do that. It'll, it'll make something like really big right here. And in some instances, it'll show multiple images of it, like real small, real big, this piece of it, a piece way over here. I don't think Forrest Fenn accounted for this when he designed this puzzle and filled a box with gold and jewels and set it out in the woods. Because a million dollars will almost certainly get you off the couch and into nature. But a really good riddle, that can drive you crazy. When, when I look at the pictures and I talk, tell you that I don't see it and that it's, you know, it's not a box or it's too fuzzy to be sure, do I sound crazy? No. Not at all. But I, I don't think I sound crazy by uh, having been in this and knowing every feature of that box. My mind knows that a picture of that box after it's been in the ground for four years with weather and dirt and stuff on it, it's, you're not looking for the exact box. You're looking for uh, bits and pieces that... Do you want your snowshoes? Huh? Do you want the snowshoes? No, no. The next morning, we head back into the park and hike to the cliff. Harry comes with us. Daryl's situation brings up the age-old paradox. If you did lose your mind to an old man's riddle, how would you know? You guys up top? We're here. Okay. Would you realize when you tried to cross a river when you can't swim? Standing in front of a judge after spending several days in jail. Living in your car? Or can you justify all that? Do you have to hurt the people around you before it clicks? Last night at the hotel, we came up with a plan to send Harry over the edge on a rope to check the one spot Daryl and I couldn't see from down below. Daryl would do it, but he's extremely afraid of heights. So I go up top with Harry to get him on the rope, 
But all we have is the rope. No climbing harness or webbing. So he decides to wrap the rope around his chest four times and let the friction slow him down. A couple times around me, try to slow feed it out the best I can. I don't take a dive. There is such a thing in mountaineering as a Dulfersitz rappel, where you put the rope through your legs and then up over your opposite shoulder. But at the time, neither of us could remember how it went. Yeah. How do you, I mean, did you feel comfortable with this? No. But I'm going to do it anyway. <clears throat> I have a lot of bills to pay. I really want this to work. At some point, I want to ask Daryl about the ethics of sending someone else over the edge in his place. Particularly a down on his luck someone else. He needs the money. But now's not the time. Hey man, I wouldn't, I wouldn't trust the rope like that. I would mostly just climb and then have the rope as a backup. Wow, I'm nervous. Are you stable right there? Uh, yeah. Okay. Harry's at a survivable height, but he'd almost certainly break his legs if he fell. Hitting his head would be really bad. And he volunteered for this job, but he wouldn't be there if not for Daryl. Daryl has other things on his mind. Your foot is a foot from the area. And there's a name for this kind of single-minded focus, an astronomical risk tolerance. Gold fever. It's not there. It's below that. No, not there. It sounds like something out of a children's book, but then so does an improvised rappel in the Yellowstone backcountry. Where your foot is, straight in this way to the left. But it's nothing new. Gold fever is as old as history itself. In ancient Egypt, the pharaohs worked their slaves nonstop in gold mines. Roman author Pliny the Elder wrote that the hardest of all minerals are soft compared to the greed for gold among men. In that indent, and then above the indent. In the 16th century, King Ferdinand II of Aragon, which would become modern-day Spain, essentially told his conquistadors in the Americas to get gold by any means necessary. They tortured and butchered their way across the region, sending back what they found. A little farther over. In the 19th century, gold rushes in California, Alaska, and Utah shaped the American West in profound ways. Native American tribes were pushed out when huge numbers of European migrants showed up with an incentive to claim ground as their own and then defend it. It hadn't been that way with the hunters and fur traders who came before. I see something right as far as it goes in. Okay. Over to the dirt to the left. Almost anyone could strike it rich in the gold rush, and almost everyone showed up to try. Sailors got to California and abandoned their ships. Soldiers deserted their units. Servants left service to take advantage of the most even playing field they were ever going to see. In some cases, gold fever was a logical reaction to circumstance. Except that almost all of them failed. They got sick, they got injured, they got ripped off or robbed. Over time, the rush ended. Gold mining techniques improved, and individuals couldn't compete without equipment and employees. But during that brief window, a precious few succeeded. 
and occasionally they stashed their fortunes and never reclaimed them. Or they were lost at sea, like so much conquistador gold. Wherever it ended up, it was concentrated wealth and finders keepers. Harry, uh, it's uh, right there. So, do you see that, that broken boxing, that X thing? You see that rock right there, that brownish rock? Yeah. No, 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 down farther. So rather than working a gold mine, in the 20th century, fortune seekers turned to treasure hunting, either alone or in small groups. In the Florida Keys, a chicken farmer turned underwater salvager named Mel Fisher was gripped with gold fever for 20 years, sacrificing everything until he found a roughly $400 million Spanish treasure ship in 22 feet of water. But in the course of his search, his boat capsized, killing his son and daughter-in-law. If you were to take a step, that's that broken X we're talking about. In 1988, Tommy Thompson found the SS Central America, which went down with 300,000 pounds of California gold on board. But he allegedly became so gripped with gold fever, he tried to hide some of what he'd recovered. And during a long legal battle with his investors, he went on the run for nearly three years. He was arrested in 2015, and a judge ordered him to tell where the gold was. But he wouldn't. So he went to prison for contempt of court. More than six years later, he's still in jail. In 2007, the company Odyssey Marine Exploration found 17 tons of silver and gold coins worth hundreds of millions of dollars, but was eventually forced to turn over every last one to the Spanish government because the cargo had originally belonged to Spain. It's not there. It's below that. No, not there. All this to say, it's out there. Some treasure hunts are successful. Gold fever can sweep you off your feet, but it also almost always finds a way to break your heart. That area there. Nothing. I got a view on Daryl's face right now. You see anything covering? Like a, like a netting or... Nothing here, boss. In that hole right there? Nothing. That's an in Yeah, can you look with your knife, please? He's shaking his head in disbelief. So, face-looking thing, even where you're at to the right there? Take a second, take a second, don't move. Can't believe this. Hands oh. on his face, rubbing his head. Inside that, there's it's it's all just that's it's just all a, rock, bro. Pure rock, pure fucking rock. Uh, I can't believe that there's nothing in there. Nothing on top. I mean, nothing. I mean, nothing. Uh, Look one more time, real good. How can I see? How can it be that? How can there be that thing in there? How can, how can I hide you there? Harry climbs down, and I come down from the top of the cliff with him. An hour ago, Daryl was bragging that this was his last day as a treasure hunter. He'd be a treasure finder soon. Now, though, 
he invents an excuse to take a minute and go off by himself. And when he doesn't come back, I wander after him. Can we talk for just a second? I find him just around the corner, slumped against the cliff, crying into his hands. Gold fever, broken. Is Is this the end? Yeah. Yep. A lot of things. What do you mean? None. What other things? We stayed there a while, but there wasn't much to say. We should probably get heading back. Daryl, do you feel like this is searched out? This area? I don't know. No, but for me it is. Okay. I wouldn't give up. Go back to the drawing board and, and try to narrow it down even more. I mean, fuck, it could be that right there. You know? Yeah. I wouldn't give up. Don't do it. A lot of people have been telling Daryl to quit the hunt for a long time. Friends, family, the legal system, even me, if I'm being more of a human being, less of a journalist. But actually seeing him do it is really uncomfortable. Harry's trying to talk him out of it. But from Daryl, it's like very sad relief. Like he took his shot, and now maybe he'll finally be able to move on with his life. But then, when we get back to the road, George is parked right next to the bridge Daryl talked about as the solve for No Place for the Meek, the one with the sign on it. I turned around, I looked, I was like, hey, there they are. (laughs) And because we're here, I decided to go check it out. I didn't record my reaction. I think I left my recorder on the backseat of the truck while I went over. But I remember the sign really clearly. It was an interpretive kiosk that described how Historically, a journey through the park was full of, quote, thrills and frustrations. Mud, dust, river crossings. Across the top, it read, not for the faint of heart. It was an official Yellowstone sign explaining, in as many words, how the part of the valley just below the home of Gary Brown was no place for the meek. Daryl had said it was a good clue, but this was perfect. You all ready, man? We gotta get up the road. I know. And I wasn't the only one who seemed to think Daryl might be onto something. Ever since he'd been arrested, and it became public where he was searching, Daryl had had the attention of Forrest Fenn, the man who hid this treasure, and launched a thousand trips into the wilderness. 
and I had lots of questions for him. That's next time. Missed Fortune is an Apple original podcast produced by High Five Content in association with 30 Minutes West and Outside Magazine. The show is written and hosted by me, Peter Frickwright, with writing, editing, composing, and sound design by Robbie Carver. Story editing by Michael May. Additional editing by Alex Ward and Tierra Darnell. Additional production by Ann Bailey. Fact-checking by Matt Giles. Final mix by Stephen Cray. Michael Derman is our line producer. Accounting by Matt Rock. Additional consulting from Gene McHale Waite. The executive producer for High Five Content is Andrew Jacobs. Executive producers for 30 Minutes West are Peter Frickwright and Robbie Carver. Thanks to Outside's editor-in-chief, Chris Kyes, and Michael Roberts, director of audio. Legal services provided by Chris Keen and Diana Palacios. Listen and follow on Apple Podcasts. If you like the show, leave us a review.